Welcome to the Appliance Educator Podcast, presented by Z-Line Kitchen and Bath, attainable luxury designed in Lake Tahoe. On today's episode of the podcast, we're joined by Aries from Herbology NV to talk plants with your two favorite plant daddies. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Appliance Educator Podcast. We've got another awesome episode lined up for you today. As usual, it's your fearless leader here, DP, and I'm joined by my partner in crime, Nick. Hey, that's me. And we are joined today by Aries from Herbology. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yes. And for those of you out there, this is actually a retake of our Lost Forgotten episode, but we're especially excited because Nick and I are both plant boys, plant guys, plant dads. Plant zaddies. Oh, <laughs> wow. So we've got we've got the true expert in the house, though. Aries, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. I'm honored by that title. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. And, and, you know, Nick and I both have a huge affinity for plants. We're both, I, I mean, I, I think my indoor collection somewhere in the two two dozen at this point so on my way out from beginner to intermediate oh, good. So. yeah I'm, I'm right behind you on that one too and about but yeah probably close to two dozen yeah as well nice yeah i think you guys had a pretty small collection last time i was here but you guys were very excited to like expand yeah yeah and the, just to watch them grow it's this time of the year because they've been kind of dormant through the winter and mm. now you're like wow Yep. Where did you guys come from? <laughs> yep, they're all coming back. I've got a pothos that was actually from my late grandmother. And now that I've been watering it, just like seeing it flourish is awesome because it came from a relative who's right. no longer with me. So it's fantastic. Her energy is in those in the plant. It is. Vines. It is. She's she's doing well. She's watching so. you. <laughs> wow, I didn't know we were going to get so personal <laughs> here so early. But Aries, welcome. I mean, what do you have for us? I mean, kind of take it away. You've got a bunch of great stuff for here for us today and no better time of the year than when everybody's really getting ready to focus on their plants right um i try to bring a little bit more of the weird stuff i have and less of the like rare stuff i brought last time um lately i've been kind of all over the place as far as my collection goes i was telling nick um i just recently collabed with uh the crystal plaza here in town it's right off of vassar street and he's carrying some of my plants so now that my plant room is kind of empty i'm like do i want to fill it with more uh of the rare stuff and then i decided to go a different route and start collecting things that aren't so hard to find but are really weird looking um one of them that i've really gotten into thanks to a friend who's starting his own business called Rootbound here in town it's these little cute kokodamas i got one of the like teardrop shaped ones with an uh, echeveria succulent in it got this like really aggressively purple like almost black look to it and it's like uh basically soil wrapped around this um bed of moss and it just looks super cute is this something you have to make yourself yes okay and what's the process with that because i i have not really seen this before um so with kokodamas it actually originated in japan where you grab a plant um normally it's a house plant and you put the stuff you'd normally put in a pot and you shape it into a ball with the roots already developed. And then um, as you work the ball, you also want to add moss around it. And then you, he used fishing line. Um, mine fell apart and I was wondering why. And he told me that um, any natural fibers kind of break apart really easily. Mm -hmm. You can barely see his. Yeah, I can kind of see the lines um, of the fishing line. Yeah, fishing line in there, but. So it's like the root mass and the root ball, and then you're just kind of layering this moss over and over. Exactly. Do you have to redo it at any point as the plant gets bigger and the root mass gets bigger? Or does um, it... Normally <sighs> you do because uh, it does become root bound, but when it's something like a succulent or um, something that doesn't grow very quickly or has a very small root system, uh, you could keep it in here for quite a while. And he does such a good job that I don't think I'll ever need to do it for any of the succulents I got from him. And the best part about it is that as I'm becoming a more lazy plant parent, um, you basically just throw this in water. Um, with this guy, I do it like once every three weeks. Once he feels dry, it's more about like feeling it because when he's very watered, he's pretty heavy. But uh, once you feel it's pretty light, you just dunk it in water and it's good for a couple of weeks. So you just submerge this guy until yeah. it's nice and damp and then just let it do its thing. Do you, 
at home do you have this like on a dish or anything just so it's not like kind of seeping water on the counter is that yeah he has it on plates i have it on this uh i went to the dollar store and there's this really cute um cement um candle holder that has this like wire stand and i just put it on top of the stand and it just looks really exotic somehow even though this is like something you could find anywhere the plant itself anyway um and this is actually just sphagnum moss which you find at stores and it's this like pale yellow brown color but he has so much humidity at his place that it's like coming back it to life absorbs yeah, yeah it looks really lush yeah it's really nice is that something that potentially in the future you'd like could dig a hole and just plant that like transplant outside too yeah or you'd want to cut it out of the kokodama of the okay because um the moss has the reason that kokodamas have this moss cocoon is because it helps preserve the moisture inside of it uh with succulents you don't really want that moss around the roots itself just you could use it as a top layer but when you have that much moisture retention within the soil especially with succulents it rerot yeah exactly got it with these other guys uh they're my lit hops and a couple of uh harworthias one of them is flowering um i use mostly soil with a little bit of just um our regular garden mix and it really helps with drainage and keeping them alive. These little guys are called uh, lithops, and they just—they look like Frankenstein heads, right? They just grow popping between popping out of the ground. Yeah, yeah, they grow between rocks, so they're supposed to camouflage that way. Uh, yeah, I was reading—they evolve to look like stones, right? So yeah. that they kind of just blend in in like drier climates. Because that because for this, they have a predator of some sort. No, just that. Um, well, actually, I should say yes, because in the desert, um, a lot of these animals are, like, looking to, uh, like, absorb oh. water through plants. So uh, when they, they hide among the rocks, they're not really noticeable as a water source. Got it. Okay. Um, I was also, before this podcast started, you guys were talking about um, psychedelics, and this is actually one of the plants that I recently learned. I haven't, like heard much about it i just recently learned that they they have psychedelic properties and something about them being used in mexico for some kind of huh. hallucinogenic drug it's well there's only one way to find I out i was gonna right? say we'll do some <laughs> research after the podcast <laughs> right. back to you, on that. you know i i do have a question on these because man mm-hmm. I, i'll say succulents are so mixed i got some early and people were like barely water them don't even water them once a week and the few i did water are just huge and doing great but then i've gotten a few like these and i feel like if it just got too hot or too dry or even too wet they just go limp and die is there a good rule of thumb for succulents is it really hit or miss i've had mixed results yeah i've i have one that crushes it and the rest they just kind of like fade away and i never know like what i need to do to them so what are some tips for these guys i just recently got good at caring for them i was always more of a uh, the thriving lush jungle look. Um, and I've always wanted them for the aesthetic, but they were just so hard to keep alive. And I think I finally mastered it when I found out that a lot of, um, places give you succulents with lots of soil retaining, um, properties. So I found that when I transplant mine from the like really soggy stuff that they come with into something with a little bit more more of a, cactus soil. Yeah, exactly. Um, something well draining and then just water them like regular plants, but make sure they don't sit in water. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, that's when they really thrive and they don't really care for low light or even medium light. A lot of people will tell you medium light is okay, but I've noticed that none of mine have thrived in medium light. They're really sun needy okay okay good tip yeah because i've noticed that too people are like oh they're low light you can put it in an office with no windows and it'll live i'm like i've never had it make <laughs> it that far when it doesn't have good light right yeah but a good good point too that like on the soil you want something really granular with a lot of minerals so it's just a lot of air and the water f- runs through it not exactly. sitting in damp soil yeah. yeah and to point on that the when you go to like the hardware store you know the the nursery there is specific soil for these kinds of plants. So just make sure you're reading the bag before 
you buy and make sure you're getting the right soil for your right indoor plant. That's where I'm bad and lazy. I've had like one bag of soil and I pretty much just throw it on top of everything. <laughs> yeah. I am lazy too, but what I do is I just have two bags now. If I'm doing succulents, I just throw like a cup of sand in there, mix it, and then it's like a lot more well-draining. Also, um, I've been forced to get into perlite too. Mm. Um, we accidentally bought a bag of it and it's like a 15 pound bag. So it's huge. So a lot of it. Yeah. And <laughs> that's of just perlite. Yeah. Just oh perlite. Yeah. That's so, going to last you a while for sure. Right? Do you have a good rule of thumb kind of on like mixing your own soil? Kind of like you said, of like, Hey, I'll take about, you know, most of this and then add like a cup of sand, mm. adding perlite and kind of mixing soil. Any good rules of thumb there on like measurement? Um, I really go based off of feel, um, when it comes to soil because a lot of the soils you're going to get at big box stores already come pre-mixed like somehow like whether it's just like a house plant mix a garden mix some they're always like mixed already so um even though some say that they are a certain mix i always check them and like feel for them um something that is very lush with like thicker leaves and um definitely has more of that jungle look you want it to have more of that mushy feeling where it's got you can retain more water yeah you can kind of just feel it with your hands where it's got like these weird little fibers in the Spongy, soil soft. yeah exactly versus when you start to go something more deserty when it comes to cacti palms are one of those exceptions where it's just they like that um very airy flowy gritty uh soil don't get me started on palms. I can't. I can't. Can't do them. I they, kill them every time. I just burn them. Picky. And Did, I, I, I think we're in a hard area for them too because of the moisture and light that they want versus what we get. Yes. It, it's. I've had mixed results as well. Yeah. I had one going for a while and then it totally <laughs> took a turn on me and I couldn't bring it back. It was a, it was a thought, heartbreaker. <laughs> yeah. I saw it. It was on sale at Home Depot. I was like, 20 bucks? Cool. This thing's huge. I, talk, I took it home and I was like, I, I killed two of these. This is going to be the one that keep around and it fucking burnt in like <laughs> two days and i was like oh crap um, sorry plant i just yeah. killed you again there's uh the majesty palm that's the one that like the hardest one to keep alive and i was like i think i'm finally ready to test my plant parenthood skills and i took one home and it was one of those things that even in my plant room with high humidity and uh filtered light and additional like artificial light um, I was watering it exactly how it wanted. And for every leaf it put out, like every frond, another one would die. So it was kind of like this like perfect balance of it's not getting any bigger and mm -hmm. it's not getting any smaller. So I would call that a mild success. Yeah, but it didn't die. It didn't die. <laughs> but um, those tiny um, palms I was telling you about, the uh, I think they're called Bella palms. Mm -hmm. uh, they start really small, but they can get big. It just takes a while. And those are the by far the easiest to t take care of, for sure. Okay. Uh, do they have like a thick trunk? They don't. Okay. They're like surprisingly thin, hmm. but they're very versatile. I have a friend of mine who I gave a pot, maybe a four-inch pot to, and it quickly went from a four-inch pot to an eight-inch terracotta. And he lives in an RV who that doesn't have high humidity and doesn't have great windows. And he's like making it work. That's awesome. It is. You know, because I guess one of the things like we're in Nevada, so it's always super dry. So some of the plants, you know, we see for sale here, it's like you should water them a couple times a week just to just to keep that thing without. Because I, I will give you a shout out, Aries. Last time you were here, you gave me an awesome tip of if it's yellowing from the inside out, it's overwatered. And if it's yellowing from the outside in, it's underwatered. Mm -hmm. Right. And I've, I've used that since as well as using kind of like just the pinky dip in the soil. That, yeah. has, that has helped me quite a bit. Oh, so good. thank you. I've <laughs> I've had some stuff that's really flourishing that like like, cause before I was lazy, I was basically like, y'all get whatever water you get once a week. This should be easy. Right. Well, yeah. I started to pay attention more and realize that wasn't just the case. But, um, on those tips, one thing that I struggle the most with, especially as we're getting into like our warm season where the plants really have a great opportunity to grow. We're about to get our sunny season and the sunlight is so direct and so heavy that I had some plants back when I was in an apartment, I was putting out on the balcony, like on the weekends. Cause I was like, Oh, I can be here. I can move them. And for some, it really helped. And for some, it just cooked them. But otherwise, I was in an apartment with one window. So it was pretty dark all the time. And I could tell they wanted more light in general. 
any good tips on like gauging kind of the light balance that a plant wants? Because I know even, you know, you usually see the sticker bright light, indirect bright light, whatever, but that are those trustworthy. Yeah. I like what, tell. what should I really be looking for? <laughs> uh, they are very deceiving. Like I feel like every plant now comes with that generic, like same statement, regardless yeah. if it needs it. Yeah, or right? like, indirect bright same. light is yeah. what pretty much every plant seems to want. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Keep I don't even know moist. what that means. <laughs> yeah. Um, so <laughs> when it comes to that, a good rule of thumb, if, like it's meant to be a house plant specifically, like if you got it directly from the house plant section, most of the time they do require that, um, medium bright light. But what that really means is any light before in Nevada, I'd say, uh, one, um, during the summer, anytime after one, if you have it in direct light, it's going to probably cook. Um, anytime before that, before the sun gets really intense, um, I think your plants will appreciate it and be okay with it. There are some that, so my thing is how it depends on how thin the leaves are really. Uh, if they're thicker, they can usually take a beating with the sun. If they're thinner, they're going to start to get this like brown and, uh, yellow edge where they, or sometimes they have little spots that's due to the sun. Um, on this coleus I brought, it's this really weird like pink dot that oh, developed yeah, on it. Oh, yeah, see one right at the top. It's a tiny little burn. But um, for the most part, anything before one you're okay with, direct light. And um, if it's going to be afternoon light, that's when I heard this saying. It's like you after want, five or something. Yeah, if you want, um, your plant can see the sun but the sun shouldn't see your plant oh okay interesting okay so kind of indirect just let the light into the room but it's not shining mm-hmm. right on the plant and and for the other part is like that morning light that morning sunlight where it's soft and it just fills the room is like ideal exactly just okay. warming it up a bit not yeah. cooking it at all and uh i have a room that um is like my excess room and uh, I wanted it to be a jungle because that's where I sleep. But realistically, it gets only afternoon light, but very like aggressive amounts of it. So what I did is I got these sheer curtains and I just pull them over and then like pull, pull all my plants right behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. And that is usually okay. There's been very rare instances where it like burns. Yeah, just a, a good diffusion okay. of the light. Yeah, exactly. That's a great tip. So just like a sheer guard and it'll still get some sunlight, but it's just not direct. And exactly. Burned. That's yeah. great. So this plant, you just slid in front of us. This reminds me of another plant that I'm familiar with, but tell me. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> tell me about this one. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, this one <laughs> is. This one doesn't come with buds? No, unfortunately. <laughs> um, this one is called a coleus. Um, it has these really long, elongate, well, they come in all different shapes and sizes, but they always have this, uh, idiosyncratic color vibrance to them. Um, this one has an intense green. It's like a very neon green with a really dark purple. Um, I have one at home that's like intense pink with green. And then I have, uh, one that I was going to bring that's looks like a regular green leaf but has like purple freckles Mm -hmm. they're always like very poisonous looking almost but they are shockingly not is this a interior plant because it looks like a lot of what does well outside here with like the um like just the different like russian ivies and junipers that we have here that kind of thrive yeah yeah well they do sell them as outdoor plants uh but they're known as annuals here because it gets so cold in the winter that they die. Um, if you were to put this outside, um, anything after five would definitely burn it still, um, even though it is okay with being outdoors. Um, it's just one of those plants where they have such sensitive leaves. Mm. Um, they because prefer a, the shade outside. It's a pretty thin leaf, it looks like. It in is. Here, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty fragile. But how, how big would something like, is this going to be kind of like a full shrub when it um, continues to grow or would it stay kind of s- small? No, these get really, really big and a lot of people have them and they kind of elongate and I always get very scissor happy with these because they like it. The more you cut the plant, the more bushier it's going to be. Okay, great. Um, With these guys, I just, I just recently sold one that was about um, two feet wide oh, wow. and like a foot tall. And it was just like my mother plant that it started off as like 
maybe five really long strands and I started to cut them all back and from each point where I cut it along that same branch that used to be empty previously uh, there was like five buds that started to grow and how big was the the pot on something that size um, it was pretty small I'd say um, maybe eight inch really that's yeah. it. yeah how do you know like when your plant needs a bigger pot like because some of these plants can like have the same pot for years and years and years and still grow a good amount like I, I don't know when yeah, does it limit the plant size to keep it in a small pot will it kill it or um it'll give you warnings before it dies um it'll do that yellowing um on the edges and uh with the overcrowding it will stop growing as quickly so you'll definitely notice like even during the growing season they really slow down uh they won't put out as many leaves and if they do they're smaller um it starts to kill off the oldest growth to make some room um so that's when you start to notice them but i don't repot my plants until they're until i have to because they're they're really giving you the signs too yeah exactly how Um, do you kind of know what size to scale into it's like two inches rule right yeah you don't want to go much bigger than two inches okay um mostly because uh plant parents have a tendency to overwater when it's that big because they are like oh even though i moved it into a bigger container i'm still going to water it as i regularly do and when it's that big and the roots haven't expanded to the full entire pot what you're doing is kind of like letting it sit yeah oh so you want to water less and tighter to the base of the plant exactly when you repot that's that's a good tip because i just brought a ficus tree back that's like about well, it's six feet tall. Mm-hmm. And I screwed up at first because when I was watering it, I was like, I need to get it all around and do this. And it, it did not, it struggled through fall this year, but it's back. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. those are really finicky too, though. I'm shocked. It's still alive to be honest. I, it dropped a lot of leaves in fall and it was just through, I cut it, I trimmed it back. I like insulated the bottom of it. And then I just started to water. What I realized was, is I was watering it too little too often. So I was like, oh, you're just getting a little, a half a watering can twice a week. What it really wants is like a gallon of water every two weeks, every week. And I need to put it right on the root base like yeah. that. And it's, it's coming back and just figuring out what kind of light it wants. And it was given to me. And I was like, this plant's been around for 10 years. If I kill it, I'm going to feel really bad about myself. Kill it within a week. Too. <laughs> exactly. So it's, uh, it's, it's on its way back. I'm very happy with that. But I learned a lot with that of like. Oh, I need to water it a lot more, less times. How, how, how do you know about that? How, what's, is there any good way to gauge of like, oh, I should water this with smaller amounts more frequently or larger amounts less frequently? You kind of have to watch, combine like your plant knowledge to do that um, and intuition of plants. Uh, like you said, like noticing those little changes, like the yellowing from the base up, stuff like that. Um, I know for me, when I had all my jungle and I was like frequently watering and like forcing them to drink every day, uh, what I'd do is I'd literally hide the plants from myself that were that thirst that weren't that thirsty, so that when I did see them and I was like, "Oh shoot, you need a drink," and then I'd actually like over water them technically, but then like let that sitting water uh, out, so they're not sitting in that water, but. Uh, basically what I did is I put my ficus like on the far corner and then surrounded it by a protection of plants that could handle that water. (laughs) Um, right now I'm kind of a little, uh, guilty of neglect and I'm also okay with it because (laughs) it's in my room and it's a giant ficus like yours. Um, I got it from this lady out in Gardnerville who, um, got it from like a four foot tree to like a 12 foot tree now, but it's like bending and i have a vaulted ceiling and it's still like trying to push its way out but because i've put it in a smaller environment and it's getting afternoon light that's filtered uh it's not very happy but it has a couple of leaves and i'm like you're gonna live you're gonna live (laughs) like i'm going to try to make it work now when you have something that big what are your tips for keeping it from sagging do you do string lines up into like rafters or Um, that sounds like a project in itself. It is a project. Um, With philodendrons, what I like to do is uh, moss poles. With anything else, I do sticks normally, like a pretty hard stick or tying them to the walls is really smart. 
uh, when they get that big, I always recommend cutting them. I'm being selfish and not cutting it because I like that droopy look. Normally I don't, but it's so big that the droop looks like an arch almost. Um, and I think it's really nice. My cats can't reach it, which is like the biggest plus. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, but if you do keep it cut and well-maintained, it looks bushier and healthier than just having it kind of like elongate. And then also you're not going to have that really long gap between leaves. Mm -hmm. Okay. I've noticed with the ficus, they're really sensitive to the wall. Like if they barely touch it, they'll start growing away from it like mm -hmm. immediately because no matter how I kind of reposition, I usually have it in a corner because it's big and that's the only spot for it. But I've noticed like I had it in a corner before and I kind of rotated it to see if I could get the leaves going where I wanted, but it just instantly like shifted out away from the wall and the okay. windows. Mine is doing that. I was wondering if it was just trying to move towards the light more. Or so it's getting away from the corner then. It's kind of both both yeah they do like the sun a lot uh because they are trees so they're used to handling uh direct light and they have big thick leaves yeah mm -hmm. exactly well uh which kind of is your ficus the one that has like the um basic the, well maybe maybe we're talking to i'm fiddle leaf fiddle leaf oh, okay mm. different right that one's still uh the ficus family okay but um that one does have a lot larger leaves mm. than um the ficus that i have it's the one with the tiny leaves okay um a friend yeah, mine has like a green almond yeah. shaped leaf about that size yeah exactly i couldn't yeah. describe the shape my yeah. uh, uh my friend from crystal plaza always calls it the library tree <laughs> he always says like thinks of it as the library tree because have you ever guys been to the reno library downtown with the with their the plants, plants are inside? insane it's awesome, it's awesome actually it's a pretty old crusty library it's kind of <laughs> sketchy but they have they have a great like I don't, yeah, know don't make an arboretum. No, no, it's kind of sketchy, but it, it's beautiful inside. Yeah, and they do have like full-grown trees and little uh, beds of shrubs and mm -hmm. things. I voted there, and I was like, "Oh, this is the first time I've ever been in the Reno Library." This for is, for the older millennials really cool. on the podcast, it's what you remember the mall looking like when they still had yeah, plants in the, the mall, in the indoor mall. It, for sure, yeah, yeah, ceramic tile and a wooden bench and plants. I went to the uh, mall by Burlington in Reno. Okay. Um, it's, I forget what it's called. Old Town Mall? Old Town Mall. Yeah. Where is that at? That's the, uh, that's, that's the sketchier <laughs> mall. It's, uh, yeah, Burlington Coat Factory and, uh. It's right across from the Atlantis. Yeah, it used to be oh. like Hong Kong Diner and like Pirate's oh, Pizza. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I, man, I consider that a mall. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I went in, I never, I've never been in there. And I went in for my first time because on the plant page I'm on, uh, someone's like, oh, look at these monstera leaves. It's a huge plant. And I go in there, and it definitely gives me that, like, 90s movie vibes. Where like it's got, Stranger Things? Yeah. <laughs> it, like, really opens up, and it's got those that wooden um, staircase, and it's all, like, funky 90s like red style. tile yeah and, yeah and, and its big feature is the library. So you can tell it's a hop and mall because in the back there's, like, a big old library. Huh. Yeah, <laughs> it's got plants all around it, but um, it was it almost looked vacant. Like mm -hmm. I walked in there and there was like the security guard and um, I said hi to him and he like <laughs> turned the other way. And I was like, am I supposed to be in here? <laughs> I felt... Don't go down aisle four, son. Yeah. <laughs> so, what I, you know, that actually brings me to a good question, though. Places that don't get a lot of light and don't have a lot of windows. I know it's contradictory because like plants need water and light, but what what's a good option when you're like, I'm in an apartment with two windows. It, is there a good recommendation for a very, very little light? Um, there are plants that are specifically okay with it. Um, snake plants and ZZs, that's like your go-to um, if you have a pretty dingy place. Um, and I know it's limited, but those are like the two that are gonna work really best for you. And when it comes to snake plants, there's so many varieties out there. I wish I would have brought some, but they go from anywhere from those like really long sword like looking sticky ones. Sticky ones that are like oval shaped. They're yeah. Like cylinders up and then there's ones that are flat, right? Yeah, yeah. I've got, I've got two of the flat ones and those things I've just heard are unkillable yes. effectively that actually, because my, my dad's been in horticulture for years. He told me about how they first brought those over was like when they first went to Africa, they threw them in the belly of like a ship and took them back to Europe. And they're like, well, yeah, it's been in, the, in a boat for two months and it didn't die. These are great. Let's cultivate these because you can't kill them. Like, <laughs> yeah, I had one last time I told you guys that I had one in my 
laundry room that has like a tiny window that gets the window itself gets filtered light and the room itself is this really dark gray so it doesn't get very much light but i was like it's okay if it dies it just looks really nice there and um i just moved it uh two weeks ago and it had a baby but the other leaves are finally starting to die but that was like six months of darkness and it had a baby and through winter too not yeah. even through a yeah. sunny season so um they're very very unkillable the only way to kill them is by overwatering them mm. yeah they're, they don't drink much no like they're like very happy if they get one big drink like once a month mm. all right Hey guys, Drew from the Appliance Educator Podcast here, and I just wanted to take a minute out to talk about our amazing sponsor, Z-Line Kitchen and Bath. You've heard the guests and the hosts talk about this amazing brand and all the attainable luxury that they create right here in the heart of Lake Tahoe, USA. From freestanding ranges to ventilation, dishwasher and microwave, to everything you'll need to complete your next bathroom project, Z-Line Kitchen and Bath is bringing luxury into your next project. You want to share with us everything oh, you brought? Because yeah. you got some cool-ass stuff here that... I, I recognize the Hoya. Oh, yes. Um, I, I always philodendron, right? Those tall ones? Um, the tall green ones that have kind of like the turtle shell? This one? Yeah. Um, this is actually similar to that family. They're um, my syngoniums. Here, let me grab my other one. So um, today I brought the Three Kings syngonium, which is pretty rare, and then the Mojito syngonium, um, Ooh, I love that one. They're yeah. like, the mojito has that splashy, darker green. More splotchy, and, smaller kind of dots and yeah. not as light. It's really nice. And uh, I have this Three Kings that has like almost like an army print to it. Um, it's three different shades of green. There's like a very, very light color, this really dark green, and then a forest green but they kind of look watercolored if you look at this new leaf. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very light. Yeah, it's really um it's similar to the um philodendron family uh where it's going to grow those aerial roots on the sides that look like little bumps at first. Um and they just come in so many like different sizes and colors and leaf shapes, but for the most part they have this um pointy arrowhead look. That's one of their, like, very popular names is the arrowhead plant for that reason. Um, they grow very, very fast. And Yeah, how far along would you say this plant is? Um, that one, I got it when it just had these two leaves down here. And I've had it for maybe a month. And these oh, wow. are the two new wow. leaves that so it put out. It's grown a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And it's getting a little leggy because I have it somewhere that's not great lighting. So it's um, kind of starting to reach. Yeah. It's got that elongated look to it so something like that like when would you repot that um i probably not for a while not for a while yeah and i'd cut it too just because right now it's just like one long strand Mm -hmm. um i wish i let's talk about cutting it's something i want to try i'm terrified of just killing a plant that's working Mm -hmm. what what do i look for what do i do (laughs) with philodendrons or syngoniums uh anything that has a visual like a visible aerial root um you want to cut right below that so for example on this uh three kings what you'd do is you'd cut right below where those little bumps are okay wow so you'd cut pretty pretty far back on this yeah or you'd wait until this next one develops them it's gonna anywhere where the plant looks like it has a little like elbow segment yeah yeah, a joint you'd cut right below the joint okay oh yeah okay so like a wandering dude the same Mm -hmm. thing you you just kind of just snap it off right at that little elbow joint yeah exactly and then uh you just put it in water and that little with the wandering dude it'll just develop roots right at that base uh, with everything else where you see the aerial roots, those aerial roots will just develop into real roots. Um, if I were to cut that too and take that top part and replant it, would that keep growing or is it pretty much dead? Um, the top part? Yeah. What like you, if I, like, well, like, so if I cut here, if I took the rest of that that I just cut and repotted that, would that continue to grow too? Could Can you transplant that? or probably? You'd have to go through. I'd do, what, do it through water. Okay. Um, 
I'd say when you do it directly into soil, there's like a Suffocation very kind of almost or it's possible, but I feel like I've had very little success with it, so I don't recommend it. Um, and with syngoniums and philodendrons, they're really good at growing in water, especially syn- uh, syngoniums. If you want to, they can even like live in water as long as you provide the nutrients for it. Um, I have one just growing in a gigantic vase, and it's pretty happy. Yeah, it- I had some pothos that lived in a water vase for almost a year probably before yeah. it even got into some dirt. Definitely. I have some of those going right now from a colleague here that mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll take care of this. Oh, it's doing great. Just put more water in the jar. Yeah. Easy. And easy. You, you can see when it's running low on water because yeah, the roots exactly. aren't underwater anymore. And I, I've been... I've been like afraid to take the plunge too of growing stuff in water, but I heard this recently too, that they were like, especially with roses and things like that, that you want like when it's growing to not have it touch the glass, right? That it's just fully suspended water. Like, especially with roses, I didn't know this, but like a rose tip is like when you cut them to keep them fresher longer is if that rose stem doesn't touch any part of the glass, the rose will actually stay open. And what I couldn't wrap my mind around is like, well, how do I get it to do that? Won't it just like sink to the bottom? So any tips on like when you're doing something in just water based of like how to kind of support it rather than just like, well, float. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I have not. The only thing I've heard about the glass touching is that a lot of people will cut it like straight across. And then if you put it in a like smaller container, like a glass container with water, if you put it directly into the water and it's cut straight across what it's you're going to do it's going to sit flat on that glass and it's not going to have the ability to absorb it really okay versus if you cut at a slant mm-hmm. um even if it touches the bottom there's still that just side that smallest point okay. going to be exactly. touching the bottom and that's where you want that 45 degree angle yeah cut. okay exactly and that's also going to help because if you do a straight across cut here this part here is going to rot and could possibly infect the rest of the plant versus if you cut at a slant it's a little bit more protected okay and uh it's more likely that you're you're gonna have more growth around the base of the plant i want to try all this but i'm so scared like i <laughs> i know it's it's your babies like is this i don't want to hurt him yeah I, well and i'm like don't hurt him he's I've, our friend exactly he's our friend and i've put so much work into these guys but i'm like i want to get I'm, I'm ready to experiment more i've got that much confidence but i'm terrified because I have just enough confidence that if several of my plants died after me messing with them, it might just, I might just go back to uh, plastic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I found that there was a sale on uh, these things called Aero Gardens at Home Depot, and they're for growing herbs and what, whatever other small plants you would use in the kitchen. And I recently started like put cuttings in it and I've had a hundred percent success rate through oh. that. Is this one of these, it's like a small light kit over like the plastic. Yeah. Pit. Cause this is where my dad does his uh, garden starts. He does it all inside. Cause we were just talking before the podcast about how we're, uh, you know, it's a uh, middle of May and we're having a three day snowstorm <laughs> right now. So it's a great time for everyone who was like, it's April and we've had 80 degree weather to have just lost most of what they just planted. But that's that's what he does, and like I've I've not used one of those yet. But Home Depot, you can just pick one of those up, and it's a yeah. great place to do early. Yeah, I got one of those for Christmas. I haven't taken it out of the box. Oh, yet. really? Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Like if you're afraid of cutting it, if as long as it has it's something with aerial roots, and you stick it in one of those little pods that it has, mm-hmm. and you just keep the water in there and add a little bit of nutrients as far as like fertilizer goes, they I have not had one die in there. at all and it's crazy because i don't do anything and it just like i got this monstera it's a um albo monstera which means it's mostly white okay and the girl that sounds freaking cool Cool, it's really pretty uh the girl who i got it from had thought she killed it the roots had all gone black um and it was a three leaf cutting and it was about four inches long um and I got home and I cut it in half and then put each half in that system. And I, at first it didn't do anything. The roots stayed black, but the leaf stopped dying. And then I just pulled it out the other day and both sides have come back to life and are both putting out new growth. And I 
I am completely mind blown and will never like go back to putting it in the water. Again. <laughs> that's awesome. I, I got to get my hands on one of these now. I'm yeah. excited because that's where I want to go next is I'm like, if I cut something and plant a bunch of little stuff, I'd love to just like double my collection mm-hmm. over the next few months. I'd... Yeah. It's, it was like, it's marketed for um, like basil and kind carrots. Of like, yeah. And, yeah. Things yeah. like that. But it, I, I didn't even think about propagating with it. So that I, I might have to do that too. I st- I started with one and um, I just got a, another one a couple months ago. And then I saw this lady who was giving, well, selling five of them. And I was like, maybe I should get all five of them. <laughs> yeah. And my plant room is just going to be like a collection of these growing. Do you have the ones with like a light rack above it? Too? Uh-huh. Yeah. They, How much do those usually run? Um, I got it for like 60 bucks, but oh, they bad. usually are like 80 to 100. Okay. Um, so it's a little bit of an investment, but. Um, if you're growing pretty rare plants, I definitely consider it. Okay. Um, because a lot of people like when it comes to rare plants, if you cut it, um, there's a big risk that your whole plant might die because most of the rare stuff you're seeing nowadays is, has some kind of chlorophyll, um, like lack of it, I should say. Uh, where it's completely white with like a splash of green or something like that, like my, the monstera I was mm-hmm. telling you guys about. Um, so when you cut off the little bit of chlorophyll it has, there's a possibility it's gonna die. Uh, for example, I bought a my most expensive plant is a four hundred and fifty dollar monstera. Um, I thought that I could better be a big boy. It was not. (laughs) It was very beautiful. It was mostly white with like a couple splashes of green. And it was like a very minty green. And I was like, I'm going to cut it and make so much money off of it. And then I cut it, uh, tried to propagate it. But this was before I tried my garden. My garden was still, the arrow garden was still in the experimental phase. Mm -hmm. So I didn't think to put it in there. And um, it died. Um, The other one started to die. And then it had three growth spikes, and then I forgot to water it, like, one time, and now they're all, like, browning. And I was like, no! So it's just this really sad little stem with three spikes <laughs> growing out of it that are browning, and I'm... A very expensive stem. <laughs> yeah, a very expensive stem. So last time you were here, um, and sorry for keep having to say this last time you were here, <laughs> but um, sometimes hard drives just die, and you can't do anything about it. Um, we talked about, um, using the coffee grounds and, uh, fertilizers, eggshells and, egg yeah. and like all organic things that you have in your house. And I kind of want to revisit that conversation cause it's, it's cool and it's good and it's easy. It's just reusing stuff that you have in your house and, um, yeah, take yeah. it away. Like house, like house plant composting is really fun. Yeah. Um, with eggshells. Um, it's so hard because, like, if it's in your garden, you don't really care about the smell. Um, mm. Once you're inside, like, I bought fish emulsion um, because I heard it was really good for your plants. And if you look, a lot of fertilizers have it as, like, one of their main ingredients. So it's like, oh, it's no big deal. I'll buy the liquid form, water everything, and it'll be fine. And I tested it, and I was like, this is going to smell probably really bad because it was, like, this brown sludge (laughs) and I put it in um, my watering can and I like watered a couple plants and I was like, this does not smell at all. And I started watering everything. And then it wasn't until the next day where like the humidity and sun like kind of concentrate and then the plant starts to release all of that home to a fishy stink. Yeah. It definitely smelled like sewer water. And like, I didn't want to go into the plant room for a while. Mm. (laughs) It was really bad. Um, the eggshells were surprisingly not bad. Um, I've had eggshells in some of my plants that are still in there. They, they really last. This might be a, a stupid question. Should I wash it out first and just throw the shell in there? Or is it still kind of the, some of the egg residue that's really going to do the, the fertilizing? You're supposed to leave it in there. Okay. Uh, that's what does it uh, for the plants. But um, the smell is pretty bad. Okay. Uh, what I do with the eggshells is if I'm going to repot soon, I save a couple of the eggshells and then just kind of crush them up and put it in the soil mix. Okay. Mix it in. So yeah. it's kind of buried. Yeah. So the smell isn't as potent. And then um, I I think one of my favorite home composting things is coffee. I'm a pretty big addict. And then uh, once those 
grounds are done, I just like put it, put a little bit in, um, plant like around my plants as like soil topping. It kind of kills off if you have, um, those little gnats oh, okay. uh, growing, they kind of kill them off a little bit. Cause um, it's super acidic. I was going to think like it. Yeah. It's got some, um, pH properties that will help certain plants, but you don't want to overdo it with the coffee grounds because I learned that that's something you can do. Yeah, over caffeinate your plant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Whoopsie. You never think of. Well, I, let's get to some more of these because, like, this one's been looking at me. I want to know about this. This looks like something I would order for lunch. Right. And it looks pretty tasty, but I imagine I don't want to eat it. So what do, what do we have here? This is a nerve plant. It's actually losing a bit of its pink um, because I have it um, in artificial light. Uh, when I got it, it was a very, very intense pink. Um, it kind of looks like kale to me. Yeah, it, lo- it looks like, like yeah, something I would want kale. on a, a flat uh, salad. Like, yeah, I- <laughs> and the new growth has this really interesting, like little speckling on it, almost like freckles. Yeah, and like a the leaf edge kind of makes me think of like red romaine lettuce yeah. or something. Like it has a very leafy spring mix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, if you look closely, like the leaf itself is like this pink uh, green. Yeah, and then it's got this pink veination through it yeah and it's a nerve plant yeah nerve plant um i forget this specific species but normally nerve plants are kind of that uh teardrop shape with that same line uh veination uh this one i just came across and i was like i have to have it and i have the white version of it too but this just really caught my eye and it's one of those especially the two-tone leaf like the tops are pink but the underside of the leaf is like that bright green it's got a ton of color this is one of the ones that I would definitely repot. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one of the ones that's like so reaching that's its ready. Max. That's, yeah, that's, that's ready. saying I need some more space to grow. Exactly. And now does that grow bushy or will it kind of flop over and be more viney? Um, with these, I've noticed they kind of uh, be, are more of a bush, like ground cover almost. Mm-hmm. Oh, so um, they'll stay okay. wide and low. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I have gone to places like... Uh, like some nurseries that have the other version of this where it's got leaves that are like the size of my hand and I've never seen them before. Um, And I've never even seen anyone locally have plants that big, but it's hard to tell with some of these nurseries if they just cut it from a giant mother plant and what that mother plant might've looked like. Mm -hmm. Um, But I have only ever seen the small ground cover type of uh, nerve plant. Uh, here in Nevada anyway. Um, I also have another pink one back here. It's an irisine. Um, I cut it I love at the, the very stems top. on these guys. This is, it's so cool. Yeah, right? I, I like this because like, I'm, I'm not really looking to go into the flower world, but this is kind of a plant that looks like a flower, which I think I would want to go for. Yeah, because it, yeah. it's different. It brings a different color to all the greenery that you mm-hmm. probably have. Right. Um, it is very like neon pink and intense. Yeah, the stem is wild. Yeah, like, it looks like if you put a black light on, it's going to glow yeah. pretty hard. Yeah, very cyberpunk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it gives me Avatar vibes. <laughs> um, I recently cut it and it's a little upset. Um, you can kind of see that cut at the very top. But like I said, it was getting very long. And ever since I cut it, it has these new growths at the oh, bottom yeah. and like new growths at the other older leaves. So I'm just going to keep on cutting it until hopefully it looks something like this. And it looks like this one, the soil can be a little drier. It looks, well, um, yeah, this one can get a little drier. This one's a little bit uh, one of those like uncommon ones where it's like, I don't think I've ever seen one like this before. Um, and I'm pretty sure it's meant to be an outdoor plant because when I got it, it had more of the intense pink on the leaves as well Mm. and on this new growth it's only on the like middle area and even the leaf shape is changing to be a little bit more round so i'm thinking it's uh meant to be strictly outdoor but i needed a pop of color in that plant room to break away from all that green and it's not upset so now that's what what type of plant was this again um irisine Irisine. I forget. Okay. I always forget if I pronounce it right or not because it's not it's, very. You know, plant plant names are like the hardest <laughs> thing ever to read because who knows what language that came from and it's all just a bunch of letters <laughs> that well, don't make any sense put together. To even me. the snake plant. I've talked to some people and they're like, "Oh, mother-in-law's tongue." 
Yeah. And I'm like, what? Like, what are you talking about? They're like, no, a snake plant. Like, As someone who, like, sells them and, like, hearing people, like, be like, oh, do you have this or that? Um, I think one of the things that bothers me is, like, all these, like, names for the plants that... Okay, so one of my biggest pet peeves is split leaf philodendron. I have a, like, personal issue with that name <laughs> because that could be like seven of the common philodendron mm-hmm. types <laughs> and people are always like oh that's a split leaf philodendron and i'm like yeah but you would also say this is a split leaf philodendron and like they're always like oh no i'm looking for this and they all they're so quick to tell you you're wrong <laughs> and they're like no that's not a split leaf and i'm no, like, I you're like i'm the here plant for guy. eight hours a day yeah. at this place <laughs> and another four or five hours at my place and you're going to tell me what this plant is, huh? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And it's a lot of the older generation. Not so much the newer generation, Damn, but the... boomers. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> they grew up with their plant nickname. And who are you, millennials, coming through, changing the name? Right? <laughs> you can't tell this is a not a boomer cast. No. But we accept all boomers willing and listening. Please leave a comment if you <laughs> think we're too mean. Yeah, to let us know if we should be more boomer friendly on the cast. And the best way to do that is to like and subscribe. Yes, like, subscribe, leave a comment. <laughs> Five star ratings. Those always help. Yep. Well, um, <laughs> on to another pet peeve I have. Um, also, like buying a plant that like I haven't seen before. I always get so mad when I look at the label and it says, hi, my name is Common Houseplant. Or like, <laughs> hi, I'm a houseplant. And I'm like, of course you are. You are in the houseplant section, but what are you? Yeah. I, Cause for me, like when I'm shopping at the garden center, you know, at, at, again, usually your big box hardware store is, is my common one. And it's like, man, I've had a rough week. Okay, Sunday, take myself on a little date. I'm gonna blow a hundred bucks on plants. Let's do it. And that's what I feel like every tag is like, hi, I'm this. I like a medium amount of water and I like medium light. And I'm like, that's cool. I live in Nevada. That's I, like, what uh, is there any way when I'm walking through and just assessing a plant beyond like pulling up an app on my phone or something that like I can tell, is it just based on how healthy the plant is at the nursery? Or is there any other way where I can say like, this is a good plant for me? Any tips? Um, It's very challenging i say i'd say like um try to like for me it's youtube videos like i always like start with a youtube video and i'm like i really like this plant that this person pulled up and then i will literally like go hunt this plant down (laughs) and it's like a scavenger hunt where i'm like i need to find it how many stores can i go to today Mm -hmm. i literally there was one point when i first started where i like went to seven walmarts to find this one plant and i was like i have to have it in my collection but now as i'm like getting more plant mature exactly i start to force plants to be house plants um like this irisine you see here. I don't even know if this is supposed to be a houseplant, but I know the family it comes from is houseplants. Uh, coleus is another What's, one that's supposed what to. What is the difference like uh, between an outdoor plant? Because it looks like you're doing successful. Like these guys are fine, and I, I know they haven't been outside just because they probably wouldn't be alive. <laughs> <laughs> so what, I mean, is it just the section of the store you're buying it in? Is there something to look for? You mentioned leaf shape earlier. Um, it's actually um, just how much um shade they're willing to tolerate it's kind of weird to say that but it's Mm. how much time they could spend away from the sun that Mm. like because some plants no matter what plant you go for um they can be indoor plants if you provide the right stuff for them but a lot of outdoor plants require a lot more sun than what's labeled as an indoor plant okay um so it's just like i said with the irisine um I just think she'd be happier outside, um, but we don't all get what we want. So <laughs> some tough love. <laughs> um, but she's not upset. She's just changing and adapting in a way because she's not putting out that. She's told to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's getting deep here. <laughs> so yeah, this is um, me neglecting my plants. Um, and forcing them into, uh, I'm, I feel like I'm uh, indoctrinating plants into being house plants. Yeah, because they do cope, right? I've they noticed do. that with my plants. It's like they adjust. They may not have the same color they used to. They may not be the same shape, but they adjust. They yeah, exactly. adapt. And a lot of them, um, like if you think about regions too, because I go to California a lot, um, 
what I find there as their outdoor plants are going to be our indoor plants for the most part as well. Um, and also another trick is looking at the zone of the plant. Um, a lot of plants that are um, zones like 10 and above can be house plants for the most part, unless they require that direct sunlight. We, I, I think we talked good, about this before. Yeah, with plant school. Um, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. She told us about the zones for outdoor yeah, and regions. Because like, you can go online and basically see a map, right? And it'll tell mm-hmm. you zone. At, for me, I was like thinking like, so the plants playing safety? Like it, <laughs> it's dropping <laughs> into like a defense on a run play. But, oh, that's right. Okay, the zones. What what zone are we? We're a zone seven here. Zone seven. Good to know. We didn't look that up after. We <laughs> no, no. Literally, it's like we had a whole someone... podcast talking about the zone and we never looked it up. <laughs> no, it's like you reawakened some knowledge that was definitely buried back in the recesses of my mind right i mean if you don't use it a lot you forget yeah um because even myself i'm like am i sure i'm a zone seven am i sure i can't take this plant home? i want to be a zone five i know <laughs> um i really want to be one of the higher zones for sure but um <laughs> this one like i'm pretty sure this one is also supposed to be i don't remember if i got this as a house plant or not but it's a, actually i did because it's an alocasia which is uh indoor plant species. Um, I think you see the more common version of this at your grocery store or Walmart. Sure. Uh, where it's got those bigger leaves, but it's got like these white lines yeah, yeah. going through like them. They look like turtle shells, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Uh, this one's called the Hilo Beauty. It's got this, um, like you could see it on the new leaf more. Mm-hmm. It's like a very iridescent, camo color yeah that's awesome it is really awesome this one's gone through a little bit of uh humidity neglect so it's a little curled and um not as happy as a new one but um they're very hard and finicky when it comes to alocasias um another one that's that one looks tough i was gonna say i would love to do this that looks like exactly what i would kill (laughs) you want to see that die give it to me today (laughs) ferns um as you could tell this one used to be dead like i just so that's a comeback story yeah this one was in a terrarium how but tell me your secrets (laughs) um i got a bunch of glass pieces and i thought i could do like a cute like um terrarium but not enclosed Mm -hmm. um but i put a bunch of incompatible plants together and that's really tough to do um and they didn't do well together uh this one was dried out because the other plant uh would absorb a lot of the water even though it was a desert plant but even like myself looking back i'm like upset with myself because this is definitely not desert compatible Mm -hmm. so it's that top tall leaf looks much different than the lower leaves. Is that is the top one a newer one, or is that an original? This one would be a newer one. Um, it's also because uh, where I had it with the other plants, this one was in a much better light condition. Um, so it grew a lot thicker and compact, versus when I moved it, it kind of had room and a little bit less light to do what it's doing now. Um, I personally like this bottom part more than this part, but I do like the shape a lot more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks a lot firmer yeah. up top. And you have to touch it. It's like very airy and soft. Yeah. The, so oh. I had a, I had one fern and it did well. And then I was like, let me take it outside Good and get fern. it some more sunlight. <laughs> and then uh, half of it died. And then for about a year, it spent, I would say, about a year of uh, undeath. It just was kind of not really living or growing, but not totally brown. Yeah, it was a <laughs> it was a zombie plant. And then recently, I finally gave up on it, just threw it away. But <laughs> I mean, because I I tried to use your tips, areas like I've been looking at this of like it, it it wasn't that it got yellow. It was just that like half of it died. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, do I water it more? Do I give it more sun? But nothing I seem to do seemed to help it. And is there a way to identify when it's a lost cause? And should I just have left it alone? Cause I- <laughs> um, so basically this one was this full, all this bottom was this yellow color and I wanted to throw it away, but also these are hard to find in Nevada Yeah, because most of the time when you do, they're already half dead. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
I got this guy and I was like, I'm not going to let it die. And I just kept watering it. This is one of those ones that I think you'd like a lot. Um, just because it's, it actually enjoys that frequent little watering, Mm. um, as opposed to like one heavy watering. Um, they like that nutrient rich, um, moss filled soil. Uh, because they like that soil retention, but also because a lot of the moisture that rises from the soil helps it grow as well with as far as humidity goes. Um, I'm actually shocked this one is doing so well just because, one, it came back from the dead, and two, um, I don't have it anywhere near my humidifier. Um, yeah, it looks super lush. I mean, this this top part, the green, it's so deep. It is. It's kind of shocking to me, too. Um, but literally just go back to your watering routine and then cut off as much of the dead stuff as you can. Mm-hmm. Just because even though it's dead, sometimes um, that's still absorbing nutrients and taking away from the uh, rest of the plant. Um, I cut quite a bit off of this guy, but... I left most of the yellow and I can't tell if the yellow came back to life or if this is all new growth, to be honest. It's just, ferns are weird. Ferns are weird. Yeah. They seem like kind of expert level plants. They're touchy. They are. You got to get your, you know, that's the final boss. I actually (laughs) think that last time I came, I brought a terrarium specifically for a peacock moss i had yeah that was that like iridescent blue green color and um, those alien things that you, alien brains or something oh yeah, yeah. It's these guys oh that's the same yeah. ones yeah except In these are water colors right yeah because yeah. Yeah. these can be like blues and grays and mm-hmm. almost like a touch of yellow yeah yeah because you gotta camouflage with the rock i actually think. just recently found a supplier that gave me a really rare one it's still a lithop but it's round and it doesn't have that split down the middle. Instead, it has these little dots, like bright white dots going up. It gives me like Pokemon vibes for some reason. I don't know what, how else to describe it. It just looks we like a baby get, cactus. We got to get Drew one of those. Yeah, I was going to say, got to catch right? them all. <laughs> the sh- it's a shiny plant. It's just the rarer variant of the plant. <laughs> yeah, those are really cute. And this is our last our last one you brought. This is a Hoya. I know that yeah, one. Yeah, you nailed it. Um, it's the... Um, Hoya Splash um, I believe it's Carnosa um, it's got this oh, splashy yeah, yeah, yeah. color to it um, the more light you give it the more of more this dots exactly oh, okay. um, there's one branch that's like almost entirely green and then the other one that gets light on it that's a lot more splashy and then I just gave it this little trellis ladder to climb up um, just because they are a vining plant. Yeah. And I was hoping that one of my Hoyas would flower just because they have those weird like pom-pom flowers mm-hmm. that are really odd and they smell a lot. Um, I have only ever had one flower and it was the biggest accomplishment of my life. <laughs> <laughs> This one looks really healthy. How how far along is this? Um, this one is actually um, one of the ones I saved. All the when I got it, all the leaves were like this uh, crispy, thin shape, and um, I was really afraid it wasn't gonna make it. And I just let it soak overnight, and then the next morning they were like all pretty wide again. Uh, there's a couple that never came back, like these four here in the middle. Um, but uh, with Hoyas, they kind of like that well-draining soil, um, heavy watering. Um, they're pretty okay with fertilizer. They're like the hardiest. If you don't know how to use fertilizer, I recommend a Hoya. They can handle <laughs> or, it. Or don't use fertilizer. <laughs> or don't yeah. use it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's, I think, also something I did to kill my fern. Oh, fertilizing it? was like it. fertilizing it. Yeah. I... <laughs> they're really sensitive. Anything with like a thin leaf. Um, any fertilizer mistakes are visible. It's so funny how plant world, like you can, it's the only like hobby you can take a living thing and (laughs) 
like kill it <laughs> yeah. been, kill it trim it overwater it like just mutilate it and, and you're trying to help yeah I mean, and, you and, really don't mess with and, the you know, plant it's, it's fine like imagine if you did that with any other kind of <laughs> You know, you're a dog breeder. Or I can't something. do like, it. <laughs> I can barely handle the emotions of having the few plants I've killed. <laughs> I'm not ready to be a parent or a farmer. <laughs> no, no, or have a pet. I'm just plants for now. <laughs> it's tough having cats and plants, and like dedicating yourself to both of those. Just because my cats specifically like to graze, they just like go into like cow formation like go to town on a plant that's every cat owner i know who's a plant person too is they're like the biggest thing i have to watch for is that my cats will just come up and just like chew and eat everything you gotta get that good good spray bottle right don't eat that one (laughs) gonna regret it there's um um i there's cat grass i get specifically for them and i put it in like a heavy container like this because my cats will literally all come to it and like start grazing like for hours I'm like that's the most entertaining thing for them so <laughs> any plant that i have that has this they won't graze on something like this just because i don't think it's good enough for them but anything like fern wise or even like those smaller leaf things they just love anything to... that looks like a salad yeah exactly mm. <laughs> so you got to get like a decoy and get yes. the grass in there. And yeah. Like, That's for you. That's why I like that tree so much is it's so out of their way that they, they ain't going to touch it. Exactly. Man, well, this is awesome. We went kind of long today, but Nick and I could literally sit here and just talk yeah. plants for the rest of the afternoon. So we'll wrap it up here. But Aries, thank you so much for joining us. Where can everybody find you? Um, so we are now uh, having plants at uh, 224 Vassar Street. And that's uh, for crystal plaza and then we will be having pop-ups here during the summer through wandering wild so i'm really excited for both of those things to really expand soon and can people get your awesome plant knowledge online yeah uh through our social media page it's uh herbology nv as in nevada um on all platforms um i have a tiktok for my plants but i'm so bad at like recording oh, it now tell me about it the, our marketing team was like you got to get better know, at tiktok they, i'm like i'm trying they make <laughs> us feel really old because we don't know what we're doing with tiktok i just <laughs> i just do the videos now and hand it off to them I'm like all right well here you go you right and they've been doing a know. great job so yeah. check out appliance yeah, educator check us out on, TikTok. on tiktok maybe we'll do a collaboration with yeah, herbology right? we can get yeah, yeah. get you in awesome. there <laughs> yeah <laughs> well awesome aries thank you for joining us and we'll definitely have you back because nick and i could just sit and talk plants all day so perfect thank you for having me again yeah absolutely This has been the Appliance Educator Podcast, brought to you by Z-Line Kitchen and Bath. Be sure to like, subscribe, and follow at Appliance Educator for more tips and tricks and advice to keep your home running at optimal performance. If you have any ideas or topics you'd like to hear on future episodes of the show, leave us a comment. Appliance Educator, signing off.